Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome to another episode of Dark and Devious. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you are happy and safe wherever you are listening to us from. Here we are, episode 21 now. <laughs> uh, I must say you caught me off guard with your uh, pre-music. Hello there. Were you speaking French? Oh, there, there was uh, the, the German, French, and English. Uh, I, I, was, I was thinking of... Um, the opening to Cabaret, uh, there's the song Vilkomen that, and it's karaoke tonight. We're recording on a Monday night and it, and I think I'm going to go to karaoke tonight. So oh, fun. I haven't done karaoke in, in years. I mean, the closest thing that I did uh, was two summers ago, or was it three summers ago? Wow, time flies. I was just at a Norebang with my husband in Korea, which Norebang, it's like karaoke um, in Korea. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hot minute since I did some karaoke. Speaking about the world in different countries, um, the only real podcast news we have to share this week is that um, we have listeners in Malaysia now. So that's fun. That is super cool. That's, you know, we're getting all these listeners in these countries that, oh, there's no way that it's anybody that we know. No, 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 no. I'm glad that you all are finding us as usual. I know I feel like I say it all the time, but I know it makes me happy every single time I see a new country. I know me too. And I'll stop while we're ahead of ourselves. So we don't sound too much like a broken record. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in relation to finding people, um, you said you were looking like it's fun to see that new people find us. Um, so I have to tell a good listener of ours, Ty. Ty, you have given us resources for episode ideas. You have supported us from the beginning during when COVID was still running rampant and face masks were a thing, you heard me talking in Trader Joe's, but you didn't know who it was. And every time I'm in Trader Joe's, I'm checking those name tags. And I was in there two days in a row this past week. I'm sure every, um, what appeared to be a male employee thought I was a creep because I was staring at their name tags. And I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm enjoying the hunt. I've heard to peer into the milk coolers. I guess you hang out back there. Yes. Just shove <laughs> your name into the milk and see if you get a response. So one of these days, Ty, I'm going to find you. <laughs> um, I think that is so funny. The, it like a where's Ty uh, hunt at the yep. store. Boy, soon, soon like people are going to want to go to this 
specific store just to try and find Ty themselves. He'll be or, like a- or even you. <laughs> well, it's a lot easier. I work with Ty a lot more frequently, so uh, I usually know where to find him if, <laughs> I, if I happen to be there at the same time that he is. Well, I meant people might want to come find you as well. Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. I'm easy to find. Um, oh, another another coworker of mine that I have to shout out is my coworker Hannah. She is a, another loyal listener that I absolutely adore. And she was uh, we were uh, working before the store opened a couple days ago, and she and I I walked up and she's like, "Oh, I'm listening to you right now," and she was telling. And I every time I heard her laugh. I, w- I was like, oh, what was that? And she was, and she would explain like which joke it was, like or what funny thing that one of us said that she was laughing at, and that just warmed my heart. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Good to know you got our back. <laughs> um, well, today is a Monday, and we're recording at not our usual time, and that's because it was the holiday weekend. Yesterday was the Fourth of July. That's right. Um, we did nothing. Because, I mean, we have we have three pets, and you know, fireworks are just notorious for scaring pets. Which this year they all seemed pretty okay. The past years have been rough, but this year they all they were champs. No one really got too ruffled or spooked by them, which was nice. Um, and then I guess Friday, Tiffany uh, and Kayla, your your listeners as well. It was it was my good friend Tiffany's uh, birthday gathering on friday evening so that was fun but other than that nothing special for me this holiday weekend how about yourself yeah i mean i unfortunately had some really early mornings um including i i went to work at 4 a.m on on the fourth um so that was that was different uh but it was for a special project and it was one i was really excited about i got to kind of do some fun display stuff within my section so it was totally worth it and I had a great time but I I I have always have a really hard time getting up really really early in the morning and what also did not help is that I've I've had I think I've got some new neighbors in my building and two nights in a row they were they had a very rambunctious party in the courtyard that went very late and they were shooting off some fireworks, some that were not legal, especially in the city. And it was driving me absolutely crazy. And some of those fireworks were exploding right outside my window. And, you know, I, I did yell down at them once to, to like stop doing the aerial fireworks because it's like, I have my window open. Like, I don't want sparks coming in and starting my apartment on fire. Um, but that was, that just kind of put a real damper on the holiday weekend for me. And I did not want anything to do with all of that. But <laughs> I suppose as a kid, I used to go to fireworks religiously for the 4th of July. Like we had to get there early so we could stake out a good spot and like have tons of sparklers. But yeah, as an adult, it's I'm kind of just... I'm over it, I guess. Same. I, know, like, I saw a I saw enough stuff explode as a kid. <laughs> right. I mean, unless it's like a special event 
or like you're in a place where you're only going to witness it once you know mm-hmm. like so like, i would totally love to see the fireworks display in washington dc sometime right like, like that. that would be incredible because they put on a heck of a show from what i've heard luckily at least the the night of the fourth so there were fireworks going on all around the neighborhood but at least they weren't exploding right outside my window if they're going on elsewhere i'm fine but if they're right outside, I can't deal with it. <laughs> so uh, luckily I did get some quality sleep last night. That's good. Um, well, I'm glad you got some quality sleep because I have a tale today that will keep some people up at night. I was just gonna ask like, is this gonna cause me to like, not wanna fall asleep tonight? We can find out. All right, let's get to it. Okay, Chris. So, as I mentioned, this week's episode may keep people awake. And that's because um, it centers around a pretty terrifying creature. Wait, a, a creature? A creature. Ooh, okay. So we are branching out from the typical... Yes and no. So, I mean, the the story itself is very much our our general flow of things. Um, but you know, it all stems from somewhere darker. Okay, I I'm getting this sort of like tingliness in my in my spine here that I'm oh, I'm wondering if tingle. this is what I'm thinking it is. But I'll I'll let you surprise me. Okay. Well, this week we are going to be talking about the 2014 Slender Man stabbing. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I, as soon as you, you were like, oh, there's a creature, but it's kind of a conventional, uh, like a conventional story. I'm, I'm like, I wonder if it's Slender Man. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. Is. Okay. But do, do you know um, the the chain of events that followed? I don't know everything. Okay, okay. So I am, it's another one like, like you've mentioned before, where you're like, I know this case, but I don't know it inside it out. So so like last week, I knew all about the upstairs lounge. uh And this week, you know of Slenderman, but what happened is the question. Yes, oh, okay, let's dig in. All right, so before we get into um, the crime, the real life crime that occurred, mm-hmm. I want to give everyone a little bit of background information on Slenderman. So Slenderman is a pure product of electronic media. He appears in places we rarely frequent these days, such as abandoned buildings, crumbling halls, deep woods, a playground with a rickety steel jungle gym, etc. He is a suburban ghoul with his own history and his own methodology. Slenderman first appeared on the Something Awful forums under a thread titled Created Paranormal Images. The first image of Slenderman is a tall, out-of-focus figure next to a tree who is accompanied by a bit of text that sounds like the dialogue from a badly translated horror game. It reads, 
one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Oh, just hearing you say that, like, really does send a chill down my spine. Like, I literally feel it physically. And if any, if you have never seen these photos, they are such an amazing work of Photoshop. They, they are a true work of art. Yeah, they look like the real deal. And I think that's one of the things that made this such a convincing um, kind of urban legend. And uh, I'm excited to just to hear more about what you found out. Yay, that makes me so happy to make you so scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so other posters added their own interpretations of the material creating a backstory that stretched out to 16th century German and even to 5,000 BC. Mm. So like fans of Slenderman just went wild with this. Which I think is so cool. It is. It's, honestly, I wonder if um, the person who came up with the photograph, like I hope they got royalties or something. Over the intervening months, something awful posters and fan fiction enthusiasts added to the corpus. Slenderman gained a specific definition, courtesy of a Yahoo answer in 2011. The definition goes as follows. Slenderman is a supernatural creature that is described as appearing as normal as human being, but he is eight feet tall and has vectors of extra appendages that are described to be as sharp as swords. The creature is known to stalk humans and cause many disappearances. Described as a shadow creature that has a missing face. The creature fits into many mythologies and legends from nations such as Germany and the Celts, which bring up the possibility that he could be real. A man named Victor Serge found this legend and made his own version of it, which he called Slenderman. The Slenderman is not exactly evil according to mythology, but Victor Serge's version shows him as an evil creature that stalks humans to kill. In mythology, he was actually trying to save you from a painful death by taking you to the underworld early. Interesting. Yeah. I also love that uh, that was a Yahoo Answers thing because uh, it, you know, it just makes me think of these kind of disused and uh, um, maybe even dead now uh, websites that that were like, that were for like, I think of like Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I love I, Ask Jeeves. I, I think Ask Jeeves is, uh, is uh, resting in peace right now. Like, I don't think Ask Jeeves is even around anymore. I think he went with Slenderman to the underworld. Right? <laughs> Slenderman appears and like, ah, Jeeves is there waiting, be like, um, <laughs> take me to the underworld early. I understand it is my time. I will go willingly. For something that started out as just some innocent um, fan fiction, uh, like other things can eventually grow to be bigger than what it was ever meant to become. So to understand what Slenderman has become of late, all you have to do is watch a Twitter stream of mentions. In 2014, Slenderman was known as Slendy. 
and he was a quasi-comical, quasi-serious figure that has taken on a life of its own. This feed is full of game walkthroughs and links to creepypasta, and especially all of the fan fiction. Slendy, as he's mostly known now, is sort of a goblin that posters use to scare themselves and others. Sadly, he's also become a focal point for madness. And one example of the madness that has been brought about because of Slendy is the horrifying tale that I'm about to tell you today. Nice. Um, also, for our listeners who aren't familiar, how would you describe Creepypasta? Like, Creepypasta, it's a website, right? So Creepypasta is fan fiction where people write, it can be as short as like five sentences to multiple you know, paragraph lengths, um, fan fiction horror. Okay. So it's a, it's a fiction horror where people go on there and they write their, it's basically just creative writing class for anyone and everyone who wants to scare and be scared. I love that. I, uh, I think also what's funny is I, I have listened to another podcast about this case. I mean, it was a long time ago. It must've been last year sometime but they mentioned that there is a lot of erotic fan fiction around Slenderman. And I think that it is absolutely hilarious that they, that they like a, it's like, it's sort of like a rule 34 situation. Like if there is a character out there, like someone has thought of an adult themed situation with that character and Slenderman, of course, is no exception. And it just makes me laugh thinking of this weird, faceless, spooky creature, but then also having an erotic side too. I mean, he's got long appendages for some reason. I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that just invites the mind to just wonder um, what could those be used for? Uh, who knows? <laughs> we'll leave that to um, our listeners to explore on their own after you finish listening to the podcast. Yes. You want to, you know, Google some some erotic Slenderman stuff. Go nuts. But in all seriousness, on May 31st, 2014, two 12-year-old girls in Waukesha, Wisconsin, stabbed another girl, the third member of their best friend group i was gonna, just gonna say i think you might get some listener emails i think it's called waukesha i want to say sure you are correct you are correct waukesha thank you chris yes there we go we can we can shut off any kind <laughs> of uh, pronunciation emails at the source so the two girls who sca- stabbed one of their best friends nearly to death called their plot quote stabby stab stab and it was intended as a sacrifice to Slenderman. It, you can really just tell that these are preteen girls when that's what they, what they call their plan. Mm-hmm. So the three girls in discussion are Anna Weyer, Morgan Geyser, and Peyton Lutner. And they were all presumably best friends up until this tragic day. So in the beginning... Peyton Lutner and Morgan Geyser first met and became friends in the fourth grade. According to Peyton, 
She saw Morgan sitting alone on the playground, and Morgan appeared sad and lonely. So Peyton, being the very bubbly and nice girl that she was, sought out a friendship. After that day, the pair took up like best friends. They hung out after school, had sleepovers weekly, and made jokes just like little girls do. She was my only friend for a very long time. Morgan has been quoted stating to the police. However, Peyton and Morgan's friendship took a back seat when Anissa entered the picture in sixth grade. Morgan and Anissa became best friends, and that's when Peyton said, quote, everything went downhill. Morgan and Anissa became obsessed with Slenderman, which scared Peyton. But she said that she went along with it anyways, because Morgan liked it and thought it was real. I went along with it because I was supportive of her and I valued our friendship. I didn't want anything to distance myself from her. Oh, that's so sad. It just seems like such a such a rational way of thinking about it. You know, like if you've got a, a close friend who gets into a certain hobby and and it's maybe not your cup of tea, but it's like, oh, but I want to support you. And like, so I just went along with it. And unfortunately, this hobby involved a supernatural creature that liked to steal children. Like most suburban middle schools around Wisconsin, Horning Middle School gave its students iPads for educational purposes. Anissa's internet history showcased your typical online fare, such as YouTube game tutorials and cats acting silly. However, there were some more unusual attractions. On her Google Plus page, she liked videos such as the one in which a cat slowly beats to death a live mouse. Oh, that's, that's kind of morbid. And she reposted a tutorial on how to kill someone with the wrong end of a lollipop. What the? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is, these are some definite red flags. She also posted multiple psychopath tests, which she had taken and according to her captions, failed. It was in December of 2013 that Anissa introduced Morgan to Creepypasta and the tall, fateless, long-limbed creature, Slenderman. Morgan wore glasses, had long blonde hair, had her one other friend, Peyton. As mentioned, Morgan and Peyton had been best friends since fourth grade. But Slenderman's stories scared Peyton, so Morgan turned increasingly to Anissa. The two lived in the same apartment complex and grew close during bus rides to and from school. Together, they pored over Slenderman fan art, doctored videos of Slenderman, quote, sightings, and the thousands of amateur ghost stories on Creepypasta. Gradually, they pieced together that Slenderman resided only 300 miles away in a mansion located at the center of Wisconsin's Nicollet National Fort. Well, Worth you know, it makes sense that, uh, you know, Wisconsin has been home to lots of interesting figures. Ed Gein and, oh, Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer, Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> Perfect. It's like the trifecta, the, the two of them plus Slenderman, all Wisconsin natives. How interesting. They know the stomping grounds. <laughs> um, so worse than the fact that Slenderman lived in a mansion so close, the girls also, just due to the creepypasta stories and due to videos that they'd watched, they believed that Slenderman was there living so close so that he could kill their families and also them. Unless they didn't sacrifice a human being in his name. Given their options, the girls decided to kill someone. And although each would later blame the other for choosing the specific target, they decided that it had to be someone that Morgan loved. Because in their minds, the closer the person was to them, the more redemption Slenderman would give them. Ah, I see. So the, the more personal the connection, the the greater the sacrifice. Right. And like ideas like this were in the creepypasta fan fiction stories. So you don't want to blame an author for getting this idea in these girls' heads, which you'll see later. There's, it's not like they just read something and believed it. There's a lot going on upstairs. So Morgan and Anissa began planning the kill around Christmas time. The original idea was to do it at Morgan's birthday sleepover. 12-year-old Anissa um, had read online that it's easier to kill a person when they are asleep. So it was the perfect opportunity. After all, they would all be sleeping in the same bedroom. That is so dang creepy. (laughs) In May, uh, Morgan invited Anissa and Peyton, her go-to besties, to her slumber party for her birthday. And she had made a list in her science notebook that was later introduced as evidence in court. Her party supply list goes as the following. Supplies necessary. Pepper spray. Map of forest. Camera. Spray bottle. Cheesecake. The will to live. Weapons. And in parentheses, kitchen knife. Okay, you know, the normal... I mean, the cheesecake, that sounded like a momentary (laughs) lapse of normalcy (laughs) right and it it might have been because we will talk about morgan's psychology later on it could have been like she was in her mind thinking like oh i'm having this birthday party but i'm gonna kill someone there i need a weapon i need rope i need a map oh but it's a birthday i need a cake (laughs) and be like oh candles a lighter um and lighter fluid don't forget it napkins paper plates method to kill my friend uh-huh. you know just a typical preteen birthday so morgan and again 12 her 12th birthday party kicked off at skateland where according to interviews with morgan's parents matt and angie the three friends laced up roller skates and rushed around holding hands just like all little girls do Angie said that upon returning to the Geyser's condo, Morgan, Anissa, and Peyton lounged in Morgan's loft bed, playing on their iPads, eating cheese puffs, and playing with other things such as Silly Putty and um, various dolls. I mean, honestly, this sounds like a pretty solid birthday so far. Yeah, a very typical preteen birthday. Mm-hmm. 
Anissa and Morgan's plan was to murder Peyton in her sleep, stash her under the covers, and run. But when Peyton fell asleep on the floor, Morgan changed her mind. As she told Anissa, and later told police, she wanted to give her best friend one more morning and a good breakfast. The next morning at breakfast, uh, Morgan's mother set out donuts and strawberries for the girls to enjoy. After eating them, Morgan snuck into the kitchen and slipped a five-inch kitchen knife into her jacket. Her mother says that she and Morgan's father had only let Morgan go to the park without them once before, but it was Morgan's birthday, so they gave her permission. Hmm, why do I feel like this is going to be a decision that their parents regret for the rest of their lives. Yep, the amount of guilt you would feel for making that decision. But it's not on them, you know? Yeah. Don't blame the parents. No. Before she left, Morgan told her mom that she loved her and hugged her as tight as her mom can ever remember. Then she, Anissa, and Peyton proceeded to the park, aiming towards the park public restroom a site prearranged by Anissa, who later explained to police that it had a drain for blood to go down. According to Anissa, the new plan was to stab Peyton in the bathroom, prop her on a toilet, lock the stall door, and run to Slenderman's mansion. They were going to run 300 miles? Mm-hmm. That is they are delicious. forest gumping it, Chris. <laughs> That is the best possible way you could explain that. However, reverting to the notion that it'd be easier to kill Peyton if she were to be unconscious, Anissa encouraged Peyton to shut her eyes and pretend to sleep for a game. When she didn't cooperate, Anissa smacked Peyton's head against the bathroom wall, hoping to knock her out. They watch too many movies or cartoons that where that happens. It doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. And then somehow they convinced Peyton that this was just all some sort of game. And like, remember, these are all young 12-year-old girls. Morgan and Nisa convinced Peyton to go into the woods with her and to play hide and seek. Peyton did not want to do this either, especially after having her head smashed against a wall. But yeah, that would make me want to go home like right then. Right. I would want to hang out with these two. But Morgan assured her that she could pick the next game. So she followed them into the woods, which is just so sad that this girl is so trusting of her best friends. Yeah. That even after they just fizz or one of them rather, you know, basically attacked her. They're at that young age where they're so easily influenced and they just want to be liked. They just want to fit in so much. Exactly. And that she goes along with it. It's so powerful. Like the, I mean, I can think about how awkward I was in that, like in between, like before you're really a, like a comfortable teenager, but like after you're like a elementary school kid, like that's the, the most it's the worst transformational transition. Yeah, it's really a tough time for a child. And yeah, making friendships, like this is when you start building on how you're gonna 
create lasting interpersonal relationships the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that is probably one of the biggest fears of any kid is just not having friends and not being liked. So according to court documents, the three girls traipsed through the brambles and under the shade of overhanging trees, they pretended to be a cat family. So that just shows, even though they, these two girls know that they're going to murder their best friend, they're also still at that mindset where they can pretend to be cats in like a little kid way. So it's like they're caught in between yeah, these, these innocent and completely volatile mental states. Yeah, because that is something that a, that a, a more mature teenager probably would think was silly. Right, yep. So as the girls played, Anissa and Morgan passed the knife back and forth. Neither of them really wanted to do it. Morgan told Anissa she didn't want to do it. And when she wanted Anissa to do it instead, she claimed, you know where all the soft spots are. You know all those creepy details about how to kill someone. Anissa then, though, handed the knife back to Morgan, urging her, quote, go ballistic, go crazy. Morgan hesitated and says, I'm not doing it until you tell me to. So Anissa took a few steps away and said, now. Morgan tackled Peyton, whispering in her best friend's ear, I'm so sorry. Then Peyton would tell police from her hospital bed, she started. Anissa watched as Morgan stabbed Peyton 19 times in the legs and torso, missing a major artery by only one millimeter. Oh my gosh. It's crazy when we, I feel like we hear that a lot with people who survive yes. very attacks or it's very like hairline, hairline um, amount of space between that would have been deadly. I mean, basically your insides, it's just like, there's all these big super highways of blood flow all over your body. And it's, you know, if, if you're just randomly shooting or randomly stabbing at uh, your torso or something like that, the odds of you hitting one of those main places where blood flows is really good. So throughout the stabbing, Morgan punctured Peyton's lungs, pancreas, and heart. Oof. Anissa recalls Peyton shouting at Mar- Morgan during the attack, I trusted you. You're my best friend. I hate you. Oh, oh my gosh. After a while during the stabbing, Peyton started to cry. I can't see. Then Morgan dabbed Peyton's wounds with a leaf and Anissa instructed her to lie down, reassuring her that she would lose blood slower that way and promising that they would go get help. I wouldn't trust them to do that. No. Anissa says that she wanted Peyton to calm down and be quiet because, quote, I don't like screaming. It's the only thing I can't handle. Promising Peyton they'd return with help, the two girls ran away, proceeding on foot to the Nicollet National Forest to live with Slenderman. I imagine like be, like those cars on the road there, 
just driving by leisurely be like, oh, what what are these two preteen girls who are covered in blood doing? Just well, they did um, wash off in a restroom. Oh, okay. Uh, I still think that even just seeing two preteen girls on the side of the highway would be very suspicious in the first place. Be like, are 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 they okay? Like, they should they shouldn't be here, right? Um, yeah, I, those people definitely should have been better Samaritans. And when you see twelve-year-old yeah, girls were- by the road, you make sure they're okay. Call three one one. Let them know that there are some young girls that are just walking along the highway because that is something that should not be happening. And also, prior to that moment, violent crime in Waukesha was basically non-existent. Between 2003 and 2016, an average of less than one murder occurred per year. A total of 11 murders were committed in just over the previous 13 years. When a passing bicyclist spotted Peyton lying there, bloody, on the path, pleading for help, it must have felt like a horror movie had come to life. The 911 operator who received the biker's call was similarly shocked. Paramedics arrived at the scene and rushed Peyton to Waukesha Memorial Hospital, where she underwent surgery. Dr. John Kilman, who operated on her, told ABC News, If the knife had gone a width of a human hair further, she wouldn't have lived. Wait, what was the name of the doctor again? K-E-L-E-M-A-N. Kielman? Kielman? It just sounds a little too close to kill a man. I know, but... Which I think is very ironic if uh, to go into that into the profession of medicine when your last name sounds like, sounds so close to kill a man. It could be Kielman. But still. Oh, yeah. It's still very close. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So Peyton's parents, Joe and Stacy Lutner, planted themselves at their daughter's bedside. Joe didn't know what to say at the time. He remembers reassuring Peyton over and over, don't worry, the police will get them. And he was correct. Authorities had caught up with Morgan and Anissa on the shoulder of I-94. Their little legs had carried them around five and a half miles to their intended 300-mile hike. That is so crazy to think because I-94 runs right by my apartment. And, <laughs> and that's like I've driven like driven to Chicago, driven to Milwaukee. So you take nine, 94 most of the way. So uh, I have definitely driven past the spot where the these murderous little girls were caught yep you and me both and a lot of our (laughs) listeners (laughs) (laughs) oh my god two girls were immediately arrested brought to the police station swabbed for dna photographed and locked in separate interrogation rooms over the next few weeks news helicopters circled the apartment complex where anisa and morgan's families lived Waukesha's residents propped poster boards scrawled with well-witching notes to Peyton at the dead-end trail where she had been rescued. In August of 2014, two months after Peyton was attacked, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker issued a proclamation 
that August 13 would be Purple Hearts for Healing Day, a state holiday in honor of Peyton's favorite color. Media outlets ran photos of Peyton holding the balloons and purple cards she received, cropping the pictures to protect her identity. Miraculously, Peyton not only survived the May 31st attack, but fully recovered over the course of that summer, just in time to attend her first day of seventh grade. That is so incredibly fortunate. I, and, and then to be like, well, glad you recovered. Now get back to class. <laughs> right. But I mean, I'm sure she was relieved to go back to some sense of normalcy. Oh, for sure. Although it, it's, I can't imagine the, the weird adjustment period where you're, where it's like, well, I don't have my two best friends with me anymore because they tried to murder me. Yeah, so for sure. I got to start fresh. Regardless of how normal or not normal uh, Peyton's life could get back, the Lutner family spokesman says focusing on her startling recovery and measuring her trauma only in terms of bodily injury overlooks the inevitable long-term psychic wounds. When you stab that knife into someone's body, you're going to create some pain that may stay with you forever or for a very long time. He was referring to the scar tissue that may shrinkle throughout Bella's life. However, there's the emotional and mental part of the healing, and often we need to talk more about that. To this day, the entire family is still in therapy over the whole ordeal. I can imagine. I mean, that is pretty much the most traumatic thing that could ever happen to you and have you live. And to have it be committed by your closest confidants, how could you ever trust anybody ever again? That is something that you're probably going to need to work through the rest of your life. Okay, so before we get into the aftermath of the attack and the trials, um, I think it's really important to understand how does one go from liking an imaginary fictive character to believing that they are real, talking to them, and that they must kill in order to save themselves. All, about, all of what I'm about to tell you is important to mention before the trial discussion because a lot of it plays into the final court rulings. When Morgan was a toddler, she claimed that ghosts bit her and pulled her hair. Eventually, that went away, but they were replaced by characters from Morgan's favorite books and movies. She said she would see fun colors dripping down the walls of her bedroom. Multiple doctors would later testify that Morgan had been hearing and seeing and feeling things that weren't there since the age of three. That and maybe she's been getting into some magic mushrooms if she's seen walls melting with colors. There's a lot of mushrooms in Wisconsin. Right? Maybe she's maybe she was just picking them out of the yard. Um, so although she'd been experiencing these things since the age of three. Her parents allegedly had no idea. Childhood schizophrenia expert and UCLA professor Rochelle Chaplin says some children might hide their symptoms, worried parents will say that it's just in their imagination. 
Morgan's schizophrenia remained invisible to those around her, largely because although she was quietly hallucinating and having delusions, she had not yet entered into a full-blown psychotic episode, which is much more difficult to hide. By and large, Morgan's pretend world remained non-threatening. But then, sometime in between the ages of 6 and 10, a man started following her. When Morgan looked into the bathroom mirror, she could see him behind her, a towering, shadowy thing shifting in and out of corners. She couldn't see his face, but only that he was tall, skimmy, and like the color of smoke and ink. Oh, you know, just totally normal kid stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had mine. Good old Bob. Um, <laughs> so Morgan named him It. Not like the killer clown that Stephen King created, but that's just the name she came up with because she had no other word to describe him. That's a really good tongue twister. Stephen King created. <laughs> Stephen King created. Stephen King created. All right, I'm done. So it stayed for a while, sneaking up on her in mirrors, but like the ghost, it eventually went on its way. Though by the time she met Anita years later, Memories of it were still very much present in her memory. Anissa, as mentioned, Anissa introduced Morgan to Slenderman, a thin, faceless figure who eerily resembled it from Morgan's childhood. Or I guess younger childhood, because she is still a child when she committed this act. I just imagine her being like, Mm -hmm. hey, here's Slenderman. Slenderman is my best friend. (laughs) like formal introduction yep anisa slenderman slenderman anisa morgan thought she'd uncovered its true identity and slenderman fan art and doctor photographs of the internet boogeyman replaced it in her mind worried that it would return this time with tentacles as depicted on creepypasta wiki where slenderman's signature black suit and tie she confided in Anissa about her fears. According to court documents, Morgan told Anissa she recognized Slenderman. As a young child, she'd seen him with her own eyes. Anissa believed her. She told Morgan that she knew Slenderman personally, and together they decided they could stop him from killing their families. Morgan was not diagnosed with schizophrenia until after her arrest. And although Morgan's parents were shocked and devastated by the news, they weren't really surprised. Morgan's father, Matt, had schizophrenia himself. Matt and Angie, Morgan's parents, didn't tell Morgan about her father's illness because she was so young, and early-onset schizophrenia is so rare. They've publicly stated they regret that decision now. After being arrested and interrogated, 12-year-old Morgan proceeded to the Washington County Juvenile Detention Center, a windowless facility that offers no outdoor time and prohibits physical touching between children and parents. Washington County is officially authorized as a short-term facility. 10-day stents are not uncommon. However, Morgan would remain there for more than a year. Oof. During that first visit, separated from Morgan by bars and forbidden to touch her, 
Her parents watched helplessly as Morgan spoke to herself, smiling at imaginary friends and laughing spontaneously, seemingly at nothing. She looked sick and disheveled. Her hair was not brushed and she hadn't showered for days. To her parents' astonishment and shock, she didn't even recognize them. The symptoms she had hidden for so long were now consuming her in plain sight, and they could do nothing about it. By this time, she'd already been charged with attempted murder. Gosh, I just imagined that all of those symptoms were probably exacerbated by the fact that she was isolated. Yes, we'll get into that even more. Uh, so this, this person with a mental illness Mm-hmm. who committed an attack due to an unknown mental illness will further be pulled into that dark, dark tunnel by the way that she's treated by the system. Oof. It's like, it's almost as if the system is designed to just bring that out, it seems, because, man, you think about one of the things I noticed, especially during COVID times is you, you like you need significant touches in your day. Like you need some, you know, a pat on the back or a hug or like just little touch, like human intimacies. And for a, a young girl who is separated from her parents and not being able to even touch them that's got to do some damage because Mm -hmm. I mean I realize like when I haven't had anybody you know hug me I'm I'm very fortunate I have a lot of really like lovable colleagues who like to hug and I'm so fortunate and very lucky and if I, I when I would not get that for a long period of time like I real and then when someone finally does give like give me a hug I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was holding all that tension. Yeah, it's it's really, human touch is so valuable. Yes, it's a physical and emotional thing. Yeah, so if you're already in a physically emotional and mentally unfit place, and then you're in a dark place with no windows, no one to hug you, it's just, it's detrimental. I mean, or even just like a, like an encouraging pat or something like that. It, 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 which also to our listeners, make sure you get that and make sure you're giving those to the people in your life. Yeah. Within comfort. With, yes. Within reason, <laughs> of course. In the nearly four years that passed between their arrests and their scheduled trials, it would be the online presence of Slenderman and not Morgan's mental illness that received the brunt of media attention. In fact, in the ever so popular documentary, Even Beware the Slender Man, Morgan's schizophrenia is not even mentioned until more than an hour into the almost two hour long film. When it came time for the trials though, a different spin was was taken on the fact that Morgan and Anissa had psychological issues going on. Anissa's trial was first, and in September of 2017, her team focused on Morgan's mental illness. 
When it counted, Anissa's attorneys would successfully argue that it had been Morgan who manipulated and dominated Anissa. At Anissa's trial, multiple psychologists testified that the girl's collaborative Slenderman mythology ultimately refracted through the lens of Morgan's then undiagnosed schizophrenia to create what the 19th century French psychiatrists first referred to as folie à deux, or uh, yes. a madness of two. Mm-hmm. Preteens wrapped together in the shared secret of Morgan's illness, the two girls had drawn themselves into a corner, into a corner of be killed or must kill situation. With the significant news coverage of the case, the girls' defense team argued that local jurors might be biased and petition the judge in the case, Judge Michael Boren, to bring in an outside jury. But Boren refused the motion. He said Waukesha County residents could be trusted to be fair. When Anissa's trial began in September 12th of 2017, Anissa's attorney argued that although her client did not suffer from mental illness in a general sense, Anissa's codependency with Morgan, who was mentally ill, and their shared delusion about Slenderman, nevertheless made Anissa insane by proxy. Her attorney is quoted as stating, We know Morgan Geiser is a schizophrenic, has schizophrenia. One of the most terrible and difficult psychotic disorders known to our society. One that in middle ages would have labeled her a witch and gotten her burnt at the stake. But we are not in the middle ages anymore. We do not treat sick children that way. Her attorney heavily argued that it was indeed Morgan's schizophrenia being the key factor in motivating Anissa participating in the delusional and attempted murder. Against all odds, the jury agreed. They came back with a verdict for Anissa of not guilty by reason of insanity. They recommended a hospital sentence of at least three years. Ultimately, the judge issued Anissa with a sentencing of 25 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a psychiatric institute followed by communal supervision until the age of 37. Whoa, that is, I mean, that is surprising, honestly. But I guess I could understand the potential for threat to the community still lingers beyond those first three years. Right, yep. And... I mean, I'm, I'm hoping too that that means more like you could still have at least a somewhat normal life, but we're still keeping a close eye on you. It's like after the three years, um, you are going to be under our supervision and you're going to have to do A, B, and C to meet the requirements of your sentencing. So I'm sure it'd be like going to a mental health facility you know, regular therapy, meeting with counselors. We talked about how the victim and her family have have gone through therapy and are still continuing that as, as much. This is a different situation than a lot of other cases where it's very easy to hate the, the, the killer or in this case, attempted killer. 
but uh, we have to look at it like these were impressionable young girls and, and one was suffering from undiagnosed schizophrenia exactly that i like i don't like i feel differently about these perpetrators in this case and i really hope that they get the help that they need and that they can overcome the the circumstances that led to this event uh, it's just like a totally different type of case than what we're used to seeing mm -hmm. it remained to be seen if morgan whose trial was scheduled two weeks after anisa's for october 9th 2017 which was then pushed to october 16th would receive the same verdict on one hand, her schizophrenia made her a shoe-in for the insanity defense. But on the other, locals had taken to social media to express outrage at Anissa's sentencing. And that made Morgan Geister's team very uneasy. It was thought that under pressure from neighbors, another jury pulled from the same community might issue a reactionary verdict and send Morgan to prison or worse. Due to her illness and young age, Morgan had trouble understanding the charges being brought against her. But legally, Judge Bowring could not proceed until she was competent to stand trial. So after charging her in June 2014, he dispatched her to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, one of two psychiatric hospitals in Wisconsin equipped to deal with, quote, forensic patients. However, her lawyer says that while there, she didn't receive proper treatment. Their only job at the time was to restore her to competency. While conducting the months-long evaluation, doctors there officially diagnosed Morgan with the disease that many already suspected, early-onset schizophrenia. Morgan was also re-diagnosed re with asthma. Doctors at the Winnebago Institute prescribed her an inhaler, but not psychiatric medicine. What? And they sent her back to state prison. This is a little girl. My goodness. It's like, give her something. It doesn't, I mean, yes, it's a little girl. That's like more insult to injury. But if anyone is going through a mental health crisis, give them what they need. Yeah, I, and then just to send her back to state prison, like, I know it's not like it, it looks in my head where I just imagine her with like a bunch of like hardened criminals that are much older than her. I imagine she was probably with more younger people if she was in any kind of general population at all. Um, but it just seems like... Like you have to be at least a little bit sympathetic to a young perpetrator like this. I know and she's a child. Yeah. In the sense like you cannot treat her the same way you would treat an adult. Because and it's not like she was a rampant serial killer who had like very methodically planned out all their kills. It was a girl with a, a child with a mental illness with voices in her head that right. told her to do bad things. Yeah, it's it just seems like it was not handled in the appropriate way. 
Well, okay. I mean, it's it's gonna get a little worse, just so you know. Oh, oh, good. I yeah, can't wait to hear. So, if left untreated, a schizophrenic person's mind will rapidly deteriorate, and over the next few months, Morgan became so confused that her parents and staff noticed that Morgan was losing the ability to read and to do basic math. Oh my gosh, that is that is so messed up. Where it's like this was entirely preventable. Um, it was also noted that no one in the facility, um, child or young woman, wanted to be Morgan's roommate. Uh, and in an alternating fits of loneliness and confusion, Morgan increasingly started to rely on her hallucinations for company. Oh, great. So she's also becoming more and more lonely and to the point where her brain has to make up friends. Yep. It's like you're already in a point in your life where she's lost everything. Like she's lost her best friends because I imagine they probably won't let her even see her other two friends again because of the circumstances. Or at least their parents probably wouldn't want them talking to each other. So who does she have? She kind of put all of her eggs in this one basket of these these two close friendships and blew them up. And now she's got nobody, no personal, like interpersonal connections, no significant physical contact. But she like, it's like they're, they're putting a brick on the accelerator and pointing her toward a cliff. Yep, exactly. So after her diagnosis of um, early onset schizophrenia, Morgan remained untreated and was denied any medication for a total of 18 months. Then in December of 2015, with her attorney's help, Morgan's parents discovered a chapter 51 loophole, which allowed them to petition a judge other than Bowren, who sentenced or like who was going to be her sentencer for Morgan to be sent back to the maximum security state hospital where she might receive treatment. The judge who was unnamed approved their petition and Morgan returned to Winnebago where she was at last given antipsychotics. Finally. Upon reaching therapeutic dosages, her mother says that Morgan understood for the first time, what she had done to her best friend, Peyton. Memories of the stabbed, memories of the stabbing dawned on her in vivid detail, which had been suppressed this whole time. Dang. She literally didn't remember or understand what she had done because of her mental state. I can't imagine, especially from the parents' point of view, like seeing your child where like, they have no idea what's going on. They're confused all the time. They don't remember what happened. They don't know why they're they're basically imprisoned. And then to see them go from that state to at least comprehending what happened and why they're there. I mean, that's just gotta be a night and day difference. I mean, still unpleasant 
across the board, but at least it's a step in the right direction because ultimately when it comes down to it, she did try to kill her friend. Yes, and, yes. And she's got to an answer to that. Uh, but it's got to go through the right channels. It's got to go, it's got to be the right kind of justice because you can't just lock up a little girl like that you she's got to get hurt the mental health that she needs so that someday when she is out in the public again that she can be a functioning human again completely agree and we'll get more into that in a bit so morgan morgan's family and her doctors all requested that she were to stay at the winnebago uh facility but administrators at the hospital said that the intricacies of Wisconsin legislature prevented them from keeping her. The juvenile detention center technically provided a lower security environment in the hospital. And by law, Morgan had to spend her pre-incarceration there. So the doctors at Winnebago gave Morgan a bottle of her new medication and sent her back to jail at Washington County Juvenile Detention Center. Conditions at Washington County Juvenile Detention Center have been shown to drive even healthy minds insane. There's no sunlight, no exercise um, time, and no physical contact. This is where she was first held for the five months. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So yeah, those three things you listed right there, that is enough to drive even a healthy person a little bit right mad like yep. like deprived of all of these basic things like yeah so even, like she even, came from this dark place here at washington county juvenile detention center to going to winnebago getting medicine like probably feeling a little better and then she gets thrown back into like this this dark this dark cesspool for mental breakdown essentially i mean couldn't they at least give that their uh, their people there maybe like one of those happy lights that provide oh, yeah. vitamin D? Yep. Like, I'm not saying you have to take them outside because granted, if you've got people who may be dangerous, who might try to escape, I get it. Maybe bringing them outside might be a security risk, but at least don't deprive them of the the basic vitamin needs that you get from the sun like don't turn them into mole people so unsurprisingly um upon her return to uh, the washington county juvenile detention center morgan deteriorated rapidly she'd been given antipsychotics but not antidepressants and the self-loathing that had set in upon recognizing what she'd done to Peyton gnawed away at her mind. It got so bad that Morgan eventually used a color pencil to cut open her wrist. Holy cow. After Morgan's suicide attempt, Winnebago overlooked whatever rules had previously prevented them from keeping Morgan and recommitted her. Which, I mean, good on that staff. They're like, this is a child that needs help. We're... We're not going to just let them sit in a jail and 
have suicidal thoughts. We need to take care of them. Whether they committed murder or not, a mentally ill person needs to be taken care of. Right. And that is something that I, I cannot advocate for enough that all people in need of mental health treatment should be able to get it. And yep. I, that, I, I don't understand why that's not just a human right in the world because obviously we've seen lots of times where mental or untreated mental illness has led to bad outcomes, whether it is self-harm or harm to others. And there's lots of other outcomes that can happen too, but those are the ones that like, if you can prevent someone from killing themselves or somebody else, why wouldn't you? It seems exactly. like it seems like a great investment. <laughs> it's like who cares what they did yesterday? Yeah. Who cares what they might do tomorrow? But in this moment right now, yeah. Let's look at them as a human. So two weeks after Anissa's verdict was issued, it was time for Morgan's last pretrial hearing. So now 15-year-old Morgan, three years later from the attack entered the courtroom, staring at the ground, lips parted, her hands and feet lashed to her waist by a belt. And she was wearing shoes with white cat faces decaled on the toes. And just a reminder again, she's a child. She had grown six inches since her arrest. That's why. And also, I imagine it's not like, I can't imagine you're getting schooling or any kind, or if you are any significant schooling while you were also imprisoned, basically. It, it's very situational based yeah. on what prison, what jurisdiction you're in. You know, I some, do. some prisons are much better than others. I mean, like there's known inmates, they get college degrees while they're in prison. That's true. Yeah. I, so. I just imagine that the kind of education that she's not getting is anywhere close to the education she would be getting had she gone on and just lived a normal life. Exactly. And given that she was going through such like major psychotic changes while she was in prison, I really doubt she learned anything. Exactly. Like ed educational wise it is. Yeah. That would be very difficult to be like, all right, let's talk about, I don't know, the states and capitals and, and like trying to learn, you know, basic stuff while you're also facing the, the justice system. Mm -hmm. So the morning of her final pretrial hearing had been slotted for basic housekeeping issues. But in a surprising turn, the district attorney's team and Morgan's attorneys announced to Judge Boren that they had reached a plea deal. There would be no trial. Both sides had agreed that if Morgan pled guilty to first-degree attempted homicide, the state would take away the deadly weapon charge, thus reducing her potential sentence by around five years. The state would also not dispute any insanity defense. The semantic compromise sentenced Morgan to a psychiatric facility instead of an adult prison. 
Ultimately, Morgan was sentenced to the maximum 40 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement in addition to involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute until complete resolution of symptoms or age 35, whichever may happen first, followed by continued communal supervision, periodic reevaluations, and or reinstitutions and further treatment as needed. So she's not getting tried as an adult, like I said she would. Instead, she's tried based on when she was 12 and she committed it. And it's um, more time spent in like a psychiatric ward rather than a prison where she will receive better treatment in the psychiatric ward. I mean, that definitely makes more sense because like we were saying earlier, she needs psychiatric help. And yes, she did commit a horrible crime, but also under, it's not like she willingly went off meds or something like that. Like they didn't even know that she had schizophrenia. Right. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, this is probably the best outcome you could have gotten. Yeah. And I mean, she was um, in her mid teens when this was mentioned and she's said to be in a psych institute until the age of 53. So I feel like it's, it's pretty justifiable, I think. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I also wonder if if there is a wiggle room in that at all. You know how like uh, 25 to life in a prison, it means that like, oh, you'd be up for parole at a certain point. I wonder if there's room for that in this case or not because of the of the psychiatric angle of it. Well, hold on to that thought, Chris, because we'll get there. Okay. However, not everyone was pleased with Morgan receiving a plea deal. After the judge officially approved the plea that day in court, uh, Peyton's family released a statement that conveyed their grave disappointment over how this case had turned out. Quote, the current legal system does not favor victims in this situation. They wrote that it was insinuating that more emphasis and compassion had been shown for Morgan's mental illness than was shown for the true victim, Peyton. Which is fair. Your daughter was almost murdered and... Right, yeah, that she was literally a hair's width away from dying. That's a big deal. And it's your baby. You want... Yeah all the justice possible for them. Mm-hmm. I get it. But in response, Morgan's mother responded to the press with the stunned confusion. From my perspective, the justice system has failed my daughter, she said. My daughter is the one who's been failed by the justice system. I mean, being tried as an adult for something that happened when she was 12. On behalf of himself and his client, Peyton's attorney firmly said, we want the max for Morgan. He explained that the Lutners, Peyton's family, plan to continue attending every one of Morgan's hearings and that each time she petitions for p- parole, Peyton's parents will sit watching in the front row. They feel strongly that they have to go and say, 
please do not let this attempted murder out on the streets. Shopping for homecoming dresses leaves only a few options because far too many dresses will show off the scars. Peyton's mother, Stacy Lutner, lamented in a victim's impact statement reported by ABC. Beach vacations are harsh reminders that swimsuits aren't made for young girls with 25 scars who were attemptedly murdered by their best friend. So that's where everything stood just a few years ago with Anissa serving three years in prison and out treatment after that with Morgan being in prison for at least the age of 53, well, in a psych ward rather, and Peyton trying to move on with a normal life. However, just very, very recently, a court hearing on March 10th, 2021, Anissa, who was by then 19, submitted a letter to the court stating that she was sorry and deeply regretful for the agony pain and fear that she had caused, not only just to Peyton, but to the community as well. She stated that she hated her actions of May 31st, 2014, but through the countless hours of therapy, she no longer hates herself for them. That judge set a court date for June 2021 to consider her request for an early release. And I kid you not, the day after I started doing my research, on July 1st, 2021, Waukesha County Judge Michael Bowren ordered Anissa's release from the Winnebago Mental Health Institute. What? Oh my gosh. So this is this super, is super fresh. This is days ago. Four days ago. And I'm amazed that, you know, now that she's 19 and says that she's sorry that that means that she can go free? Well, I mean, it comes with some restrictions. Okay. So the judge gave state officials 60 days to draw up a conditional release plan and required that Anissa be assigned State Department of Health Services case managers to track her progress until she's 37 years old, which is the total length of her... Um, original sentencing. So it's, you know, kind of like what we said earlier, she's out but under supervision. Okay. Which definitely she should, should be. She will have only served roughly four years of her original sentencing. And as fresh as this news is, it's no surprise I could find no public comments or statements released by Peyton, Peyton's family, or her representatives. I'm really wondering if her family was there front and center, like they promised they'd be and- Oh, no, 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 that was was for Morgan. Oh, okay, so- Anissa is the one that got out just now. And then Anissa, remember, she's the one that didn't actually do the stabbing. Okay. The one that didn't have the- uh, schizophrenic thoughts of saying okay. Slenderman's real, this is going to happen. She was kind of the one that was wrapped up in all of it. She was the one that was found guilty by the French phrase. Can you remind us? Oh, yeah. Folie de, which means the madness of two. Yeah. Yes, the madness of the two. So, like, 
she was like taken under Morgan's schizophrenic beliefs. And because she was so young and impressionable, she started believing in herself. So she was convicted on reason of um, insanity by proxy, which is why her sentence was lighter and why she's able to ask for an early release before Morgan is. As of today, Morgan is still behind bars and her Peyton's family are still attending every one of her uh, petitions for early release, reminding the court of what happened to their daughter. I mean, if I were, if I were the parent of the victim, I would probably do the same thing. I would, like, I would want what they want, as much justice as they can get that they don't want to risk the person who is responsible for nearly killing their daughter to get out again. And I'm sure the fear is that, that she could do that again. Right. And I mean, once she was medicated, she clearly had so much remorse yeah, and felt guilt. And, you know, she knew what she did was wrong. So provided she stays on medication, she could be a very, safe functioning member of society but who's to know and i hope she stays medicated so that she can serve her time like she's supposed to and after that she stays medicated so she can live the normal happy life we all deserve yeah i mean at least as normally as you can get so as much sympathy that we're right now Pressing towards Morgan. Mm-hmm. What about the original victim, Peyton? So where is she now? At nearing 20 years old, Peyton is uh, planning on attending university. Although her last public appearance on live television is more than a year old, dating back to February 2020. At the time, Peyton was a senior in high school and planned to college in the fall. And inspired by what happened to her, she said that she wanted to pursue a career in medical field. Oh, that is so, I, I'm, I love it when people are able to take a traumatic, a traumatic event and turn it into good. So if she really, if she does get to go into the medical field, like imagine how many other people she'll be able to help. Right. And that is, that's incredible. And obviously she's a very strong and very brave person to, you know, I feel like it'd be easy to just, I don't know, close yourself in and be like, no, I'm, I'm done with the world. Like I tried that once before. I'm just going to cloister myself away because I don't feel safe out there. But that takes a ton of courage to just be like, I'm going to give the world another chance and make an effort to have a normal life. And Mm -hmm. I I really hope she gets it. Um, Yeah. Like you said, the last, last appearance was a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, I mean, obviously probably wasn't making any appearances the last the last year of like 2020 because nobody was going out doing anything like that but um but yeah oh I really hope that she 
gets to fulfill her dreams because after the nightmare that she's been through, she's earned it. She deserves right. it. Um, and then just to close on an even more uplifting note, um, remember her mom mentioned the scars from like prom dresses and swimsuit season. Um, Peyton has stated that she has learned to live with the scars. Quote, I've come to accept all the scars that I have. It's just a part of me. I don't think much of them. They'll go away and fade eventually. She never wants to see or talk to either Morgan or Anissa ever again, calling what her best friends did unforgivable. If she ever tried to come by me, she would go right back to where she was, Peyton stated. That said, Peyton would initially thank them if she were to ever speak to the friends who tried to murder her. Peyton says, just because of what they did, I have the life I have now. I really, really love it. And I have a plan. I didn't have a plan when I was 12. But now I do because of everything that I went through. And it's all because of them. Wow, that is what you can really see how she's matured since the beginning of the story. I mean, obviously that time period, you transform so much as a human being. And it's amazing just to see what a thoughtful adult she is turning into be. Yes. And, and it's one of those things where like, we always say we want to take a, like a negative experience and turn it to the better, you know, look at, look at the out, the, the more positive outcomes that come by going through this event. And she's just living proof that you can, you can, you can forgive and you can grow. Right. And also you can forgive, but you don't have to forget. Exactly. It's, she remembers it. Like, yeah, like I have my scars and they're part of me now and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And yeah. What an amazing young woman. Right. And I'm so glad that she survived and that she has been able to take this experience and learn and grow from it. And hopefully go out into the world and do amazing things that will positively affect many more. Right. And I, I, I really think she will do amazing things. She seems like a very determined young lady. Nice. Yeah. And then and on the flip side, I just, I just want to mention like with Anissa, I don't know how I feel about Anissa, but with Morgan, we said it before, we'll say it again. We just really need to address mental health more seriously in this country. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and like the key to success with her will be her getting the mental help that she needs. And which it seems like as of today, she's found it. But I'm, that's good to hear. But as she was going through the whole process of, you know, incarceration and, court and in a mental hospital it's like they let her down so many times right and that is and if that happened in this really high profile case imagine how many other times it happens to other people in everyday cases that don't make the headlines exactly yeah all right well really quick i want to thank kathleen hale for her 
um, article Living with Slenderman. John Biggs for the article The Story of Slenderman, the Internet's Own Monster. Um, a fabulous write-up in the New York Times from Teenager and Slenderman Stabbing is Ordered Released from Mental Hospital. And a, an article by Gemma Bath titled Peyton was 12 when her two best friends almost stabbed her to death. This is her life now. Yeah, so like I said, it this 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 story was supposed to maybe give you all some nightmares because Slenderman generally is terrifying. If you haven't looked at yes. him, do some Googling. I'm also going to post on our socials, um, on Instagram and Facebook with some Slenderman photos and satire. Um, but I, yeah, I, just, I think it, I think if, if you're freaked out by this case, um, see if you can find, I'm sure you can find some very humorous or <laughs> like, yes, yes, you can ridiculous Slenderman, um, smut, smut fan fiction, <laughs> whatever out there that might take the edge off a little bit, might make, hopefully make you laugh a little bit rather than, uh, and make you want to hide under the covers at night. <laughs> mm -hmm. Depending on your fancy, however you see Slenderman, it's your prerogative, no judgment. <laughs> yes, and who knows, maybe you'll discover your latest kink. Uh, I mean, maybe. May <laughs> it's always a possibility. It's a possibility, so. All right, everyone, well, thank you for coming back. Um, hope you enjoyed this tale. Um, it was my first survivor tale. So, right. I know this was a little bit different flavor and I appreciate it. And it was just a little bit easier. Yeah. Know, a little lighter, a little lighter, a little but lighter in a, in a weird dark way. <laughs> yeah. But still important to tell because Peyton and Morgan and even Anissa, they all matter. Yes. Yes. And it has a good, a good lesson at the heart of it that we need to address mental health concerns as a country, as a planet, uh, since we have listeners all over the world. Yes. That we, yeah, that we should really encourage everybody to um, get the mental health that they need if they need it. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for telling that. I enjoyed listening to it immensely and i guess until next time bye, bye.